following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, it's Pastor Allen of All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Ontario, and we're continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark, which I've entitled The Remarkable Gospel. If you've If you've been watching these sermons, you know already why I call it this, but for those that this might be new to, uh, it's called the Remarkable, I'm calling it the Remarkable Gospel because it seems to be presented to us, this version of the story of Jesus is is given to us in such a way uh, to evoke emotion from the hearer, from the, the reader, uh, by seeing how people are reacting, and even even Jesus reacts to what's going on. There's just so much emotion, so much reaction, and we see that again in the passage we're looking at today, which is Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. And without wasting any more time, let's get right into it. I'll read the passage, and then I'll pray, and then we'll continue from there. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about four thousand people. And he sent them away, and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them and got into the boat again and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out! Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketful of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? Let's pray. Our Father, as we look at this passage, help us to understand. I thank you for helping me as I've been been looking at this and struggling with what what you're saying here and trying to get through to us. Help me, Lord, as I take this time 
to try to share with whoever is watching or listening to this help me to be able to express what you've been showing me help us to know the difference between what's uh, the the product of our own imaginations and our and our our own insights and the difference between that and what you're really saying to us at this time through this passage please lord speak to us in jesus name amen well one of the things i want to point out right at the beginning is uh that as you probably know the chapter references the chapters the the verse numbers all throughout the bible were added many hundreds of years after uh, the, the writings were written and many of these divisions um, and if you remember and those of you are still reading something like the king james version or another translation that uh, lists the what's written verse by verse by verse by verse this breaks up the the uh the the thoughts in in this very disconnected sort of way when the writings themselves were not written that way they 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 flowed a, a lot more and so some of the chapter divisions in the gospels for example like we're, what we're reading here in the, in the gospel of mark are are clearly go along with the division of of thought and i would imagine that's what the people who invented these divisions were trying to do other times like here breaking the 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 the, up the story in this way may not be that helpful and that's uh, one of the reasons why we should keep in, in mind the context so we start off again i'll read it and the beginning of chapter 8 in those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat he called his disciples to him and said to them i have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat and if i send them away hungry to their homes they will faint on the way and some of them have come from far away and his disciples answered him how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place so in our last message uh, we saw how jesus and his disciples went from the vicinity of the Sea of Galilee, also called Lake Kinneret, in the north of the land of Israel, in the Galilean region. And they went up to the coastal town of Tyre, outside of, of Jewish territory. And then they, via, they actually went north and then to the east and around, like, uh, the, around the Sea of Galilee, uh, into the Decapolis again, the, the region of the Ten Towns. And so this whole section, starting in the last chapter, chapter 7, until here, chapter 8, remember the chapters were added later, the numbers of the chapters were added later. The uh, So they've been in non-Jewish territory all this time. And so while we have again... Uh, a miraculous sign and wonder of the feeding of a great crowd. The last time, which was in chapter 6, was in Jewish territory. This time it's happening in non-Jewish, Gentile territory. Now, this is the only 
sign and wonder, which is the biblical way to refer to what we call miracles, you know, supernatural events. This is the only one that is re- that seems to be repeated in the gospel. It's not really repeated. It, it's the same sort of miracle happening again. So we see multiple healings, and very often they're told in, in summary fashion that he healed all the people that came to him and he cast out many demons, that sort of thing. But then we see him actually doing a, a we get the details of a specific healing. And, and most of those details, like we saw last time with the, the healing of the, um, the man who was deaf and had a speech impediment and, and how he dealt with that man, uh, is when we get those kinds of details and we begin to compare them, we see how different his methods are in each case. This, this, the stories are quite different. And there are differences in the details uh, in this one, but in this kind of thing, this kind of more supernatural event, like the walking on the water or the calming of the storm, we only have one account of walking on water. We have one account of calming the storm, but we have two accounts of the feeding of the multitudes. So as I mentioned, the last time they were in Jewish territory, and this time uh, they're in non-Jewish territory in the Decapolis, 10 towns or 10 cities to the east of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, the last time, the disciples approached Jesus and uh, told them that it, it was getting late and there was no food. And so Jesus told them to, to feed them. And uh, it's it's clear that there were towns and villages nearby where food could be bought but they were saying that like, even if we spent tons and tons of money, it would we still wouldn't be able to feed such a crowd. This time, the disciples don't say anything. It's Jesus that that uh, brings it up, as as I just read, and uh, and and he he explains that if he sends them away, uh, they'll faint along they'll faint along the way. It gives the impression that they're in a far more desolate, remote area this time. So the potential of even buying food, even if you had all the money in the world, wouldn't matter. They didn't have access to to markets to buy the food. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons why the disciples didn't say anything. Uh, and it, it's it's interesting that it it was a stretch of their faith the last time. And this situation is even more so. And that's often what happens, that the Lord brings us into one lesson of faith where we need to learn to trust him. And we get through that and often we think, okay, well, now we've got it. But then he brings us into a more difficult situation where we have to trust him all the more. Okay, let's continue. Verse 5, And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they gave them, and they and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. So this time there were seven loaves, not five. And here the fish are, seem to be an af- afterthought. He blessed the bread. Oh, and there were some fish, and he blessed those. So there was a second blessing uh, that, that, that he said over the fish. Um, the results for the people are identical. The Greek is exactly the same here in verse 8. And they ate and were satisfied. They, this wasn't just a snack. that He really fed them. 
Um, in chapter six, there were 12 baskets of, of leftovers. Here, they were just seven. But the Greek word for basket's not the same. Some translations, it talks about large baskets. And they were, so in, in the Greek, two different types of baskets. The ones here, even though there were only seven, were very large. Chapter six, it's five men. It says men in the Greek. Here, it just says there were 4,000 and, and doesn't, doesn't describe 4,000 what implied. So it's 4,000 people. Um, so it's possible the last time it, it was the men not counting women and children. Th- this might be 4,000 total. It, it doesn't really say. It, do- it doesn't really matter. And even if it was just 5,000 and then 4,000, it's still a lot of people to feed when you just have a few, uh, few loaves and fish. And then that's it to the story. He feeds them and sends them away. No commentary, no comments, no explanation, except what comes later. Uh, there's this next incident, and then it leads into the following one, which really has the punch. So here we go, verse 10. And immediately, and there's, that's showing us this is really connected. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dal- Dalmanutha. Not easy to pronounce. It's near the other towns on the west side of the Sea of Galilee where they've been hanging out quite a bit where a lot of his teaching happened and so on. Um, and so, verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, and this is a, this is a, a reaction moment again. As I mentioned, the Gospel of Mark, full of emotion, full of reaction, sometimes really positive, sometimes negative. This is Jesus with a negative emotion. He sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now, it, as far as we can tell, the, the Pharisees here hadn't seen the sign in Gentile territory that just happened. But the the reader certainly does. So the reader sees this incredible thing just happened again. And he ends up getting confronted by these keeners, as I like to call them. And the Pharisees were the keeners. They, It's like nobody took God more seriously than these people. And I'm not saying this in any kind of facetious way. They were keeners. Paul says about his own people and, and and likely thinking of him of people like the Pharisees he himself and his family uh, were Pharisees as they had a zeal for God but not according to knowledge and very often the most zealous people uh, aren't the most clearly thinking people we we think we are and I, I include myself among them um and most people in in any in ministry uh, we're keeners. We're the ones that that take all this seriously. And we also tend to overthink. And sometimes we're making things up and we don't realize it. And we don't realize it because we're the keeners. And um, anyway, so uh, the Pharisees hadn't seen this sign that had just taken place. They may have heard of the earlier feeding. They may have seen some of the healings. Maybe they had. Maybe they just heard about them. Um, and so it's it's a bit ironic here that they 
that they confront him like this and it is a confrontation it's they come to him they begin to argue with him they they quickly enter in, into dispute which is again something that keeners tend to do um you know one of the things with the covid-19 crisis and and I'm not making a critical comment about this there's just something about the dynamic the the people that are the most helpful and the people that are the least helpful are going to be keeners the ones reading articles and sharing articles about uh you know is the is the restrict are the restrictions reasonable or are the restrictions are unreasonable it's going to be keener type folks that are going to be engaging the conversation and so remember it's keeners that are the most helpful and often the most unhelpful and right now the pharisees here in this story they're not being they're not being helpful and and that's why jesus reacts the way that he does and so uh they come and they're disputing with him and and ironically they're seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him they're looking they're looking for a sign he just did a sign and they might be clued out or it's just not good enough for them and um his reaction uh to this is you know why does this generation seek a sign and notice he doesn't say why are you seeking a sign it's it's what it's it's like it and it's not with you people the pharisees though they're kind of core to this reaction of his it's like what's with these people what don't they see what's going on and and if you haven't seen what's going on isn't there enough uh evidence enough story enough possibility that why do i need to prove anything to you it's what he's talking about this generation it's it's the people of the day and we could say the same thing now. Like, what's with people? Like, we we live in the most informed generation in history. And in terms of the biblical evidence, for anybody who wants to know the truth, isn't there enough information for you? It's not that hard to find out. It's it's cynicism that's the problem. It's we're the problem. And we're gonna see this played out in the disciples. And this is where we have to be careful when we read these stories. Oh, those, the Pharisees, oh, the Sadducees, dem people, those religious people. They don't get it. No, no, no. That's not why these stories are being shared with us. All, all these generations later, shared in Mark's day, shared with us in our day. It's so that we get the message. It's not so that, oh, we learn about those people and how blind they were and how hard-hearted they were. It's about us. And those of us that are still looking for the sign or want to be, you know, where's the proof? Where's the proof? There is so much evidence. And from God's perspective, the, the evidence that he's given to us through the Bible, through history, through people's testimonies and their, their transformed lives, there's just so much. If, if, if you want to know the truth, the truth is there to be shown to you. And so in this case, this this was not a request this was a demand for proof and no proof would have been enough for them and so he's totally exasperated with them and he says no sign will be given and the, and the language here is very very strong like there's nothing it's, it's more in terms of there's nothing i could show you will be good enough for you and he leaves them and it's a it's a very kind of this fi- there's finality to this and the way he gets in the boat and, and and just takes off and leaves them there on the shore 
verse 14. Now they had forgotten to bring bread and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. Now I this I think this is supposed to be a little funny because uh we've recently read two stories of miraculous provision with lots of leftovers and they forget to bring bread. And I I don't really get the they forgot to bring bread but there's one loaf. Like and the loaves were probably quite small and among 13 men, the 12 disciples plus Jesus, it's not a lot of bread. Verse 15, and he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So clearly, this is stemming from what just happened with the Pharisees. Now, why Herod comes into it, we'll, we'll see that in a moment. Um, but he gives them this very, these very strong words, like, you guys have really got to see this. Beware, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees and leaven of, Her- uh, of Herod. The way leaven is repeated is very strong words. And it's like he's saying, danger, danger, listen carefully. And so he was concerned, obviously, he was concerned that his disciples would be affected by the attitudes and actions of the Pharisees and, and Herod. And, and they've been confronted with some of this, and they see some of this in, in action. And, and even while uh, Jesus is teaching them, he's concerned that the, the attitudes and actions are going to find their way into the lives of his own disciples. So be careful. Be careful that doesn't happen. And you know, again, so why Herod? Why does he lump in the Pharisees and Herod? These are not, uh, uh, both the Pharisees and Herod would probably be offended that you would lump them together like this. But what's, what's going on is both the Pharisees and Herod uh, have a tendency uh, in their, the, their passion of, of how they think life should be lived is they, they give themselves over to false loyalties. Uh, where the Pharisees are so concerned that people follow their way of understanding how to please God. And they, we saw with the, the, the story of the washing of the hands, that they've introduced additions, extensions to God's word. And those extensions, traditions, became more important and usurped the authority of God's actual word. And so their loyalty became to themselves which is, that's how politics works. A lot of people, and we're living in a very political town here, the capital of Canada, and people who are involved in politics, very often they, they get involved be, because they're keeners. They want to make a difference. And then they discover ways, or they, they think they have a vision of, of how things should be done. And then their conclusions, their ways, th- become more important than anything. And it's very easy to lose sight of, of the very reasons why a lot of these people got into the political realm. And, you know, Herod is, is very different. So right from the beginning, um, a preference for self and, and their own way and, and uh, becomes more important than anything. And uh, so, you know, political intrigue is, is like 11. It's, it's, it's a, a, the way they used to make bread is they would save some of the fermented dough from the last batch of dough that they, when they're making bread, and they would keep that. And when they make a new batch of dough, they take some of the fermented, now the sour dough from the last batch, they would add it to a fresh uh, batch of, of flour and water. And uh, the, fer- the fermented dough, the leaven, 
uh, would seep in and ferment the rest of the dough and make the new batch leavened. And you start the process all over again. And so Jesus likens uh, the attitudes and actions and, and, and ways of, of the religious keeners and the political authorities. Uh, he likens that into leaven. Once it gets in, into your thinking, into your heart, into your community, it's, it's near impossible to get out. So you need to guard yourself against those destructive, misguided ways of thinking. So makes sense, but the disciples don't get it. Verse 16, and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So they're, so they get into the boat, they have only a loaf of bread. Jesus brings up the leaven, the Pharisees, the Sadducees in very, very strong words. And then they're, they're they're talking among themselves you should have brought bread why didn't you bring i thought you had it no you had it and it's like what in the world like how do you get from a clear teaching the the rabbi is metaphorically speaking about leaven and they're they're talking about uh about actual bread like what in the world's going on here verse 17 and jesus aware of this said to them why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see? And having ears do you not hear? He's talking to them like a prophet of old from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. He's using words uh, like the prophets were using to um, Israel going astray and talking about blind eyes and deaf ears and hard hearts. That's how he's talking to his very own disciples. And, and I was thinking too, like, this hard hearts thing. Who has hard hearts? Well, Pharaoh, in the story of, of the Exodus, where God was speaking through Moses and bringing these plagues, and, and, and Pharaoh would say, okay, you can go, and then he would change his mind. His heart would be hardened. Uh, he would harden his heart. God would harden his heart. So the so that's Pharaoh talk. He's talking to his disciples with Pharaoh talk. You hard-hearted Pharaoh-like people, you. Like, what a thing to say to his disciples. But it's these are very, very harsh words. And so, as I said earlier, he's talking to them like outsiders. And so then he, he, he starts getting through to them. He tries to get through to them. He continues in verse 18. And do you not remember... Verse 19, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And possibly it was like, you know, how many broke, how many baskets of broken pieces, disciples? 12. Like, like scolded school children. And the seven for the 4,000, verse 20, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And of course, I don't know if that's actually the way it was, but he's, 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 he's he, they know the answer to these questions. He he knows they know. He's, he's scolding them. And he says to them, and he said to them, verse 21, do you not yet understand? And then doesn't explain it to them. He doesn't explain the lesson. So what's the lesson? And this is the thing I've been grappling with in preparation for them. What's the lesson? Well, I, I think the clue is he's ramming home to them the leftovers. So he enabled the disciples to feed the multitudes. And I wonder if they were thinking, like picture, you know, here's, you know, Peter, James, and John, they're handing this out. And then, of course, every time they hand out a last piece, they have more in their hand. And this miracle is occurring in their hands. Uh, but 
I wonder if they would be like me. Will there be leftovers for me? Like we're giving out, Jesus loves all these people. What about us? We're, we're about to drop in this heat and all this, after all this time, is there going to be any leftover for us? And so they, they feed 5,000 men and they end up with seven basketfuls of leftovers, more than enough to feed the disciples. Well, then it occurs again. And this time the disciples don't say anything. They've been without food for a while. It doesn't look like they're going to get any. And a similar thing happens again. And they're feeding. Oh, we also have some fish. Bless those two. And feeding them. Will there be enough? Oh, oh, you should have learned that. The, well, you should have. Remember when he walks on the water and they're totally astounded? He chastises them for that that because they and it says because they didn't learn the lesson of the loaves and so now they're doing it again and will there be enough will there be enough and there's enough more than enough but have they learned the lesson well it doesn't seem to, to they haven't seemed to learn the lesson because he's trying to teach them an important thing about life beware of the leaven of the pharisees and herod and all they can hear is leaven, no bread, or one loaf, not enough. And the leaven triggers them to be concerned about, we don't have enough to eat. They heard something different from what Jesus was really saying to them because they were more concerned about food than Jesus' teaching. And that should concern us. One of the big lessons that God was seeking to teach the children of Israel hundreds of years before this story is when he takes the, he delivers them from Egypt. He begins to lead them in the wilderness and there's no food and they're hungry. And God provides bread from heaven, the manna. And that's what they feed on for 40 years. God provides the manna miraculously for 40 years. And we read in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's soon they'll be entering the promised land. It's the end of Moses' life. Moses is reflecting upon the past uh, decades. And he says to them that um, God made them be hungry in the wilderness and then gave them the manna so that they would learn man lives, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And people fail to understand that what, what those words are saying is, is, is he's not saying that um, we need both bread and God's word to live. What he's saying there is man doesn't live by bread alone. We don't live consumed with focusing on our needs. God is is the one who focuses on our needs. We need not to live by bread alone. We need to live on God's word alone. We need to be concerned with what God is saying to us, and he will take care of our physical needs. This is what he taught in Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. We're not supposed to be anxious about what we will wear or eat and, and, and all and what we'll drink. 
God is our Heavenly Father who cares for our needs. So we are free to be caring about what He wants us to do. But when we're wrapped up in ourselves, then that prevents us from really hearing what God wants to say to us. And so we see here that fear, being worried about our lives, uh, cuts us off from what God wants to say to us. That God is our Heavenly Father who truly cares for us. And we need not be focused on our on how we're going to be provided for. And we need to be responsible, but we live out that responsibility under God's guidance, not us being consumed with our needs. We need to see our fears broken. And in this time of COVID-19, with the restrictions, we don't know what's going to happen. What's going to, you know, and then it's the government this or, or sickness that. Are we focused on our fear of what might happen? What might happen? Or are we looking to God and being attentive to his voice and hearing what he wants to say to us at this time? That is what we need. And that is the only way we're going to truly know him as we should and hear him as we need to hear him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you want to speak to us. We thank you that you have promised to take care of us. Show us, Lord, the ways that our fears uh, blind us from seeing what we need to see and they deafen us from hearing what we need to hear. Soften our hard hearts, get through to us in these days, and help us, Lord, to trust you and to listen to what you are saying to us, whatever that might be. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, please, um, if anything, email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. Send me your questions, your comments, your prayer requests. Feel free to share this video with others. Uh, and uh, let's look to the Lord together like never before. Until next time, this is Pastor Allen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.